Welcome to Paid in Full, an American Family Radio special featuring Ray Pritchard. Ray is a frequent co-host of today's issues and serves as president of Keep Believing Ministries. Now, here's Ray Pritchard. Nothing haunts us more than the fear we will die before our time. But it happens. We die too young, or we die too soon, or we die with our work unfinished, or we die with our dreams unfulfilled. All of us go through life leaving behind a trail of unfinished projects and unfulfilled dreams. How few there are who can come to the end of life and say, I finished exactly what I set out to do. Only one person in history never left behind any unfinished business. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the only person who could come to the end of his life and say with absolute and total truthfulness, I have finished everything I set out to do. It is Friday morning in Jerusalem, another hot April day. Death is in the air. Word has spread to every corner of the city. The Romans plan to crucify someone today. A crowd gathers on the north end of town. Just outside the Damascus Gate is a place called Skull Hill, Golgotha. The Romans like it because the hill is beside a main road. That way, lots of people can watch the crucifixions carried out there. On this day, more people than usual have gathered. They come out of morbid human fascination. The very horror of crucifixion draws people to Skull Hill. This day seems like any other, but it is not. A man named Jesus is being crucified. Word spreads like wildfire. No one is neutral. Some believe, many doubt. A few hate him. The crucifixion begins at 9 o'clock sharp. The Romans were punctual about things like that. At first, the crowd is rowdy, loud, raucous, boisterous, as if this were some kind of athletic event. They cheer, they laugh, they shout. They place wagers on how long the men being crucified will last. It appears that the man in the middle will not last long. He has already been severely beaten. In fact, it looks like four or five soldiers have taken turns working him over. His skin hangs from his back in tatters. His face is bruised and swollen. His eyes nearly shut. Blood trickles from a dozen open wounds. He is an awful sight to behold. There are voices from all three crosses. A kind of hoarse conversation shouted above the din. Simmons fragments float through the air. Something that sounds like, Father, forgive them. Something else about, if you are the Son of God, then a promise of paradise. Finally, Jesus spots his mother and speaks to her. Then it happens. At noon, darkness falls upon all the land. It happens so suddenly that it startles everyone. One moment, the sun is overhead. The next moment, it has disappeared. This is not an eclipse nor is it a dark cloud cover. It is darkness itself, thick, inky black darkness that falls like a shroud over the land. It is darkness without any hint of light to come. It is chilling blackness that curdles the blood and freezes the skin. 
No one moves. No one speaks. For once, even the profane soldiers stop their swearing. Not a sound breaks the dark silence over Skull Hill. Something eerie is going on. It is as if some evil force has taken over the earth and is somehow breathing out the darkness. You can almost reach out and feel the evil all around. From somewhere deep in the earth, there is a sound like some dark subterranean chuckle. It is the laughter of hell. The darkness lasts for three long hours. 12.30, still dark. 1.15, still dark. 2.05, still dark. 2.50, still dark. 3 p.m., just as suddenly as the darkness descended, it disappears. Voices now and shouting, rubbing the eyes to adjust once again to the bright sunlight. Panic on many faces, confusion on others. A man leans over to his friend and cries out, What in God's name is going on here? All eyes focus on the center cross. It is clear the end is near. Jesus is at the point of death. Whatever happened in those three hours of darkness has brought him to death's door. His strength is nearly gone. The struggle almost over. His chest heaves with every tortured breath. His moans now are only whispers. Instinctively, the crowd pushes closely to watch his last moments. One glance at the middle cross makes clear that this man Jesus will not last much longer. He looks dead already. The soldiers know from years of experience that he won't make it to sundown. Then it happens. He shouts something. My God! My God! Why have you forsaken me? Someone in the crowd shouts back to him. Moments pass. Death draws near. Then a hoarse whisper. I thirst. The soldiers put some sour vinegar on a sponge, which they lift to his lips on a stalk of hyssop. He moistens his lips and takes a deep breath. If you listen, you can hear the death rattle in his throat. He has less than a minute to live. Then he speaks again. It is a quick shout, just one word. If you aren't paying attention, you miss it in all the confusion. He breathes out another sentence. Then he is dead. What is that shout? It is finished. In the original language of the New Testament, that phrase comes from a word that means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. It's a crucial word because it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. It's the word you would use when you reach the summit of Mount Everest. It's the word you would use when you turn in the final copy of your term paper. It's the word you would use when you make the final payment on your car. It's the word you would use when you cross the finish line of your first 10K run. The word means more than just, I survived. It means I did exactly what I set out to do. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant it was finished in the past. It is still finished in the present and it will continue to be finished in the future. 
Note one other fact. Jesus did not say, I am finished, for that would imply that he died defeated and exhausted. Rather, he cried out, it is finished, meaning I have successfully completed the work I came to do. It is finished was the Savior's final cry of victory. When he died, he left no unfinished business behind. When he said, it is finished, he was speaking the truth. In the Greek language, the phrase, it is finished, also means paid in full. When something is paid for, you never have to pay for it again. That point came home to me several years ago when we visited some friends in western Colorado. When I called the husband and said we would be passing through their area, he said they would be glad to put us up. I assumed we would be camping on sofas for the night, which was fine with us. But when I called him from southern Utah to let him know that we would arrive in three or four hours, he said he had a room for us at the local hotel, the Back Narrows Inn. I thought he was kidding, but he was serious. Our house isn't big enough. They had moved since we came through a few years ago. So we decided to put you up in the hotel. The town was so small, I hardly could believe they even had a hotel. When I protested, he said, don't worry about it. I've worked it out with the owner and have already taken care of the bill. That was that. We were staying at the hotel and he was paying and nothing I could say would make the slightest difference. We got to the Back Narrows Inn at about 10 p.m. and found it to be a small turn-of-the-century building that had been converted into a 15- or 20-room hotel. When we arrived, the owner greeted us, handed us the keys, and said, Your friend has taken care of everything. No asking for identification. No asking for a credit card. The owner just gave us the key to the room and said it was paid for. Indeed, our friend had paid the bill. It wasn't necessary for me to pay because my friend had personally paid the price in full. I couldn't pay twice because my friend had already paid once. To attempt to pay on my own would be to insult my friend and to doubt that he had actually paid anything at all. Several years ago, a talk show host listed the various reasons why he had become disillusioned with Christianity. Among them was this. How could an all-knowing, all-loving God allow his son to be murdered on a cross to redeem my sins? That's a good question. In fact, that's an excellent question because it goes to the heart of the gospel. Many people hear the gospel and wonder, why did Jesus have to die? How could an all-knowing, all-loving God allow his son to be murdered on a cross to redeem guilty sinners? In searching for the answer, it helps me to think of another question. Since God is both all-powerful and infinitely gracious, why didn't he simply offer forgiveness to anyone who says, I'm sorry? Many people think that's what God should have done then they wouldn't have to deal with the embarrassment of God putting his own son to death. The solution to the dilemma goes like this. From a human point of view, God had a problem. 
Because God is holy, he cannot allow sin to go unpunished. His justice demands that every sin be punished, no matter how small it may seem to us. If he were to forgive sin without proper punishment, he would cease to be holy and just. God would no longer be God because he would have denied his own character. That could not happen. All offenses against God must be punished. That's why sinners can't simply say, I'm sorry, and instantly be forgiven. Someone has to pay the price. We follow the same principle in our criminal justice system. Suppose a man is found guilty of stealing $700,000 from his employer. Just before sentencing, he stands before the judge, confesses his crime, begs for mercy, and promises never to steal money again. How would you react if the judge accepted his apology and released him with no punishment? Suppose the man had been convicted of rape and then was set free with no punishment simply because he apologized. Or what if he apologized for murdering a father and mother in front of their children and the judge set him free? Suppose a terrorist infiltrates a military installation and opens fire, killing dozens of soldiers in the process. And suppose at his trial, he admits his crime and apologizes. What would we do if the judge released him on a promise never to do it again? We would put that judge in jail and throw away the key. Even in this life, a price must be paid for breaking the law. The same is true in the spiritual realm. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. Where sin is not punished, it does not seem very sinful. God's problem, if you will, was to devise a plan of salvation whereby he would remain holy and just and still provide a way of forgiveness for guilty sinners. Somewhere, somehow, there had to be a place where grace and wrath could meet. That place is the cross of Christ. Back to that talk show host for a moment. He asked a second question that deserves an answer. If God is so all-loving, why didn't he come down and go to Calvary himself? The answer is, he did, he did, he did. God came down to this earth in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and died for our sins. God is a God of love and therefore wants to forgive sinners, but he is also a God of holiness who must not and cannot overlook sin. How could God love sinners and yet not overlook their sin? No one would ever have dreamed of his answer. God sent his own son to die for sinners. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his great love for us this way. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Think of it. In the death of this one man, the price for sin has been fully paid, past, present, and future. As a result, those who believe in Jesus find their sins are gone forever. Paid in full means that once a thing is paid for, you never have to pay for it again. Either you accept the fact that Jesus paid it all, or 
you try to pay it yourself. But who could ever pay for even one sin? How much does a sin cost? How could you ever pay for even one sin, much less all the sins of your lifetime? In the end, your only choice is to trust that Jesus has indeed paid in full for your salvation, or you reject what Christ did when he died on the cross. So let me ask you a personal question. What sin is keeping you from God right now? Is it anger? Is it lust? Is it a hard heart of unbelief? Is it alcohol abuse? Is it an uncontrollable temper? Is it cheating? Is it gambling? Is it stealing? Is it adultery? Is it abortion? Is it pride? Is it greed? Let me tell you the best news you ever heard. It doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter how many sins you've piled up in your life. It doesn't matter how guilty you think you are. It doesn't even matter what you've been doing this week. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter how many skeletons rattle around in your closet. When you come to Christ, you discover that all your sins have been stamped by God with this phrase, paid in full. Anger, paid in full. Uncontrolled ambition, paid in full. Gossip, paid in full. Drunkenness, paid in full. Fornication, paid in full. Stealing, paid in full. Lying, paid in full. Disobedience, paid in full. Laziness, paid in full. Pride, paid in full. Murder, paid in full. Bribery, paid in full. Those are just examples. Just fill in the blank with whatever sins plague your life. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, the price for your sins has been paid in full. Let me sum up what this means in two simple statements. First, since Jesus Christ paid in full, the work of salvation is now complete. That's what Jesus' statement, it is finished, means. The debt was paid. The work was accomplished. The sacrifice was completed. It means that when Jesus died, he died once for all time. The sacrifice was sufficient to pay for the sins of every person who has ever lived, past, present, or future. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through him. The word completely has the idea of entirely and forever. It means that the work of salvation has been fully accomplished by Jesus Christ. And that explains what Christians mean when they talk about the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's not just a slogan. It's a profound spiritual truth. What Jesus accomplished in his death was so awesome, so total, so complete, that it could never be repeated, not even by Jesus himself. His work is finished. There is nothing more God could do to save humanity. There is no plan B. Plan A, the death of Christ, was good enough. Second, 
since Jesus Christ paid in full. All efforts to add anything to what Christ did on the cross are doomed to failure. Let me put it very simply. If Jesus paid it all, you don't have to pay anything. Let me say it another way. If you try to pay for your salvation, it means you don't think he paid it all. There is no middle ground between those two propositions. That's why going to church, obeying the Ten Commandments, increasing your education, doing good works, giving money to the poor, being baptized, improving your life, turning over a new leaf, being a nice person, working hard at your marriage, raising model children, and trying to do your best. Those things can be such a trap. Those things, good as they are, cannot add anything to the value of what Jesus accomplished in his death on the cross. They will not help you take even one tiny step toward God. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. In the end, it is either all by Jesus or not by Jesus at all. God is not trying to sell you salvation. He's not offering salvation at half price. He's not offering salvation on an installment plan. He's not offering you salvation where he pays part of the cost and you pay the rest. God is offering you salvation free of charge. Jesus paid in full so you wouldn't have to pay anything. Jesus left no unfinished business behind. He finished what he came to do. If you will trust him, you will discover that in finishing his work, he paid in full the price for your sin. In 1863, Charity Bancroft wrote a hymn called Before the Throne of God Above. A few years ago, the song became popular when it was joined with a haunting Celtic melody. Ponder the words of the second verse. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. I want to stand and cheer when I come to the final sentence of that verse because that is my whole hope of heaven. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. So here is the gospel truth. Jesus died. God is satisfied. When Jesus said it is finished, he meant it. When Jesus said paid in full, he meant it. He paid the price for all your sins and he finished the work he came to do. Only one thing is left. Will you believe it? Will you receive it? Will you open your heart and say, yes, Lord Jesus, come in today, come in to stay. I urge you, my friends, remember what Jesus did on the cross. He finished his work. He paid the price. Now the next move is up to you. You've been listening to the American Family Radio Special, Paid in Full, featuring Ray Pritchard. 
If you would like to hear this message again, connect with Ray, or learn more about Keep Believing Ministries, visit keepbelieving.com. Paid in Full is an American Family Radio special presentation.